Well, my name is David On. I thought I should inter- reintroduce myself to you online and in the room in case you don't know who I am. And uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what I've been doing. But after my time away, I'm just like really thankful my church key worked. I'm just telling you. But Donna and I had a great, a marvelous time away. I'll talk about that in a second. But I have been, much like some of you online, I've been a part of the online church for the last four to five weeks. In fact, I watched all of the messages while I was gone, and I have never been so proud of a team. I was so inspired. I was informed. I watched Jerrica last week. I love her heart, her, the way she teaches. She's like a, a champion for our schools, for our littles, for our students. I I just love what she had to say. Connor was up here two weeks ago. Such a good-looking guy, even with ketchup and mustard and mud on him. He's like Captain America, you know. And then I watched JT's message on homelessness. I guess I can call JT Captain Underpants. Anyway, I, uh, I, I watched that. I came in the building here this, the, on Friday. I saw underwear. What is up with all the underwear? What's going on? But I was inspired, I was motivated, I was informed by all of our teachers, especially JT. I I, I just wanna talk to you a second. I've been a little distant, obviously, these last four or five weeks, and I have experienced what online, which is our largest church, let's welcome them, our online congregation with us. Resurgence of COVID again, we may pivot even more so online, but I've got a taste now of what it's like to be out there, and I feel engaged. I feel motivated. I feel like inspired to want to do and follow Jesus more fully and freely, and there's some momentum building, and the coolest thing is that I'm just cheering you on, and will be for quite some time, but I marvel. I, I, I watched JT's first two messages the two first two weeks I was on my summer study break, I marvel at his ability to fully immerse himself into his messages. And here's what he has the ability to do. It's a gift, guys. I don't know if you understand this. He has this ability to turn a, a, a moment into a movement. Does this make sense to you? To turn a moment of learning into a movement. And you have no idea how blessed you are to have John Tizovich as your new senior guy. I'm just telling you right now. We have some of the most talented people leading us right now on staff, some awesome elders. This church is in such a good place because of them. The only caveat is I guess I'm going to have to stop now down at BP's, at the traffic light down there, to see if there's someone sitting down there by that sign that I know. That's the only thing that I worry about. And you might want to catch JT's message on homelessness to catch that. That's something that I never did, but I just, I just is in awe of that. But I am glad to be back. I'm glad to continue our Summer of Love series uh, as we continue to talk about removing physical barriers that create spiritual opportunities. And let me just reiterate, it's been said, but I want to say it again. We do need to tell people about why we're helping them. We do need to tell them it's because of Jesus in us and through us. Otherwise, we're not any different than any other group that helps people out there. And there's a lot of them. So it's not so much social gospel, it's savior gospel. Because we follow Jesus, like we go out of our comfort zone. Because we follow Jesus, we free the slaves. Because we follow Jesus, dot, dot, dot. 
So today I get to talk about the next one in line in our Solve 7 uh, network uh, in our series. And it's like machine gun fashion, we're going through it. Today I get to talk about food. <laughs> I don't know why they assigned that, why I assigned that to me. I think I know now. But um, eating is one of my spiritual gifts. I think that's why I assigned myself that. Up. <laughs> but feeding people is one of the seven of our Solve 7. And it works out nicely. I've been watching some of you. You, uh, you follow me as I follow Christ. So here's my question for you. How many of you love food? Let me see your hand. I see you online. Yeah. That's good and that's bad, huh? I mentioned that uh, Don and I had a great time away on my summer study break. And what made it even more awesome was the opportunity to sample some southern food. Don and I spent the majority of our time down in South Carolina. I mean, I've got some great sermon ideas while I was eating. I mean, just great stuff. <laughs> Can't wait to tell JT about it this week. But man, we spent some time in Carolina, and they are known for their shrimp and grits, low country boil and seafood, barbecue, some desserts. And Don and I said, yeah, we'll just have just a little, when, you, when it comes to dessert, just a sliver. But remember my line, a, a sliver leads to a slice. A slice leads uh, to a slab. And a slab leads to a slob. But anyway, that's uh, kind of how the progression works. And I, I got to get back on some kind of form, food plan that's not that plan. But here's the best food I found down there. Biscuits. Oh, help me, Jesus. <laughs> Biscuits. I turned 60 on July 8th, early in the month, 60. Donna and I celebrated 40 years of her putting up with me, 40 years of marriage. But for my birthday, Donna designed, <laughs> this, is, this is perfect for a guy like me. She designed for my birthday a biscuit tour for me down in Charleston where we visited the seven best biscuit places down there. It, I was in heaven. And we, my favorite biscuit place, you ever get down there? This is where you go. Vicious biscuit. You, it's a biscuit. It's about that big. You can put anything you want on. Eating is my spiritual gift. You can put anything on there. Chicken, ham, bacon, egg, whatever. Vicious biscuit. I, I took a picture of a board uh, that people write comments on down there at Vicious Biscuit. And it's too small to see uh, what's on the board. But let me tell you how good Vicious Biscuit is. Listen to these comments on the wall. And when you're a pastor, this really caught my attention. Skyler wrote this on top of the board. I've never felt closer to God on Sunday than I did at Vicious Biscuit this morning. <laughs> and I went to church today. <laughs> Nestor wrote on the wall, as I heard my girlfriend whisper to the biscuit, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> I sat there not even ticked off, but in total agreement. <laughs> and then the last one, I thought this was original with me, but evidently not. One other one said, when they say, risk it to get the biscuit, this is the biscuit they're talking about. <laughs> risk it, no risk it, no biscuit. I thought that was original with me. Evidently, it's not. It's down at Vicious Biscuit. I like to eat. I bet you do too. 
Nobody likes to be hungry. And that's why giving hungry people food was a priority to Jesus' ministry. It was primarily what he did, and we're going to find out more today. It was primary to his ministry. Not just physical food, but spiritual food. And feeding people in the name of Jesus has been a hallmark of Christianity since that moment in time, as well as part of the DNA of Whitewater. I can't tell you through our food pantry, even before the Life Center was built, how many thousands and thousands and thousands of meals, thousands and thousands and thousands of people have been fed. Because I think JT mentioned it earlier, people can't hear the story of Jesus with their ears if their stomach is growling because their food challenged or food at risk. No one in this world should have to go hungry. That's stupid for people to go hungry with the wealth and all that we throw away. So I want to show you today that we can feed ourselves, whether it's vicious biscuit or something else, we can feed ourselves as well as the multitudes, both physically and spiritually, if we just do a couple of things and trust Jesus in the process. And I'd like to talk to you about this in the context of Matthew chapter 14, and what some of you will understand and realize now is the feeding of the 5,000. Man, what a great story this is. Over in Matthew chapter 14, I want to read it to you, point out a few things, and then give you some practical applications for this. Let's begin over in Matthew 14, verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, and I'll tell you what happened, more about this later, but in the previous verses, the previous moments, Jesus just got word that his cousin, his forerunner, one of his best friends, a guy named John the Baptist, was beheaded by Herod. He just got that word. Keep that in mind. That's the context from which we find the feeding of the 5,000. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. You got to get away privately to a solitary place. I just did that for about three and a half weeks. It's one of the hardest but healthiest things to do is to get away and get the noise that's normal out of your life. It's a sign of great mental health to be alone in a solitary place. And I can tell you right now, at the pace that some of us are going, if you don't come apart, you will come apart. If you don't come apart to a solitary place. But hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. Always good to follow Jesus. And when Jesus landed after his solitary time away and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. It says in another account that they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed. <laughs> when you do ministry with thousands and thousands of people, sometimes if you're not careful, you see them as problems and not blessings, as obstacles, not opportunities. Man, when you start feeding people, when you start going through the Salt Seven, just remember those people are Jesus with skin on. They're not problems. They're not interruptions to your plan. They are your plan. They are your business. And it says, as G, as, and he, Jesus had compassion on these people. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. So he's already in a solitary place. This is a remote place, they said. And it's getting late. 
Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy some, themselves some food. In other words, DoorDash don't work out here. And Jesus replied, interesting. They do not need to go away. You, you, you give them something to eat. I think that's really what God might be telling Whitewater and has for years. They don't need to go somewhere else. You, you give them something to eat. Now just hold your finger right there. They said, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Now just let me pause there. And this is not going to be on the screen. Let me read to you a parallel account of this story, not from Matthew, but from John. Because John adds some details that make this, it's got a color commentary, makes it even better. <clears throat> John says at this moment, here's what happened. <clears throat> when Jesus, it says, looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, so the guy that he's really asking this question and the guy that probably asked the question, what are we going to do with these people? He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He only asked Philip this question to test him. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Now, great leaders ask questions that they usually got solutions before you can even answer them. Like a great chess player, Jesus thinks several moves ahead. But he asked him this question, hey, Philip. Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now, I love this because Jesus is probably smiling. He already knows what he's going to do. But I love it because it's kind of a test. It, it's a trick question. Any of y'all ever had trick questions? You got to be careful how you answer. Some of you married, you know you got that question. <laughs> Honey, does this dress make my butt look fat? Don't ever answer that question. You know, you're not supposed to lie. That may be allowable. We have young couples all the time, just got married. Oh, you got to be truthful. Say what you think. Yes, it does. Ambiter. <laughs> Don't fall. Honey, you never look more beautiful in all your life. Man, Jesus loves trick question here. Where shall we buy bread for these people? And Philip answered him. Now, see, Philip is... <clears throat> the actuary. Philip is the analyst. <clears throat> Philip is the CPA of the group. Philip said it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough food for each one to have a bite. He's not only analyzed <clears throat> how many people are there, he's analyzed how much it would cost. And even at that, they'd only get to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. See, if uh, Philip is the actuary, <laughs> Andrew's the action dude. And by the way, you need both in the church to be healthy. You need people who crunch numbers and people who, who can make the numbers happen. You, you, you need those who can raise money and those who can spend money. I've been able to do both, and, but the spending is a lot more fun. Andrew, he speaks up. Here is a boy. <clears throat> he's on the solution side. Not only has he figured it out, he's got the solution. Here is a boy <clears throat> with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? When you study Andrew's life, he's always bringing somebody to Jesus. Wouldn't that be good to be known for that? Always bringing someone to Jesus. 
How far will that small meal go? Five small barley loaves and two small fish. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Back to Matthew's account. Bring them here to me, Jesus said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. And that would have been easy to do. I've been there, Don and I have been there on that hill outside of the Sea of Galilee, the mountain there, the, and it just gently slopes down toward the Sea of Galilee. It's a natural amphitheater. All, it's just, have them sit down there. Man, if you ever get a chance to go to the Holy Land, when all this COVID stuff is over, you, you got to go. And taking the five loaves, the vicious biscuits, I'm going to call them, and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, now remember that phrase, what I'm getting ready to say. Taking the, fit, the loaves of fish and looking at them, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Remember that phrase. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. And they all ate and were what? Satisfied. Thank you, John. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Let me stop right there. I'll take a sip of water. (laughs) All those vicious biscuits caught up to me. They ate and were satisfied, it says. Here's what I've learned about following Jesus, and I've been watching him work in you, and I've been watching him not work in some. The bread of life, Jesus, satisfies more than the bread of man. You understand what I'm saying? The bread of the world, the bread of man, oh, it it tastes good. But over time, it gives you indigestion. Jesus is satisfying. And it says they picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces. Why do you think 12? Be the Sunday school teacher. How many disciples there? 12. By the way, I, I can't go there, but they were 12 basket cases <laughs> of broken people and pieces. They couldn't even figure out how to feed all these people. They were a mess. As John said, with a woman who had the issue of blood, everybody got issues. Jesus even provided for those who gave 12 basketfuls. And the number of those who ate, was about 5,000 men, besides women and children, 5,000 men, which meant likely there were probably 25 to 30,000 people there. Now, this is a significant miracle. Here's why. It's the only miracle other than the resurrection. I don't know if you know this. The only miracle other than the resurrection that's recorded in all four Gospels. The only one. It must have been important. There must have been something here to learn, to record, to remember. This became the world's largest fish fry. Some of you who grew up on the west side, you know about fish fries, right? This is the world's greatest fish fry. They went from a fast to a feast, which is really what the kingdom of God working right is really about. 
feasting on the bounty of the church working right, feasting and following a Savior that wants to lead and feed you very much. Jesus is kind of like this cosmic cook that wants to feed you the bread of life. And I've been following him now, you know, 50, 60 years now, except to Jesus when I was nine years old. And here's what I've learned to say whenever God prompts me to do something. Where he leads me, I will follow. What he feeds me, I will swallow. That's pretty much what I've been saying. And it's worked out pretty good. For those of you watching online, for those of you here, maybe it's your first time, even if there is no hell, even if there is no heaven, I'm telling you, following Jesus, feeding on him is the way to go. It's the best part of being in this life, even if there is no eternity. And I believe that's the bonus. So many great lessons here in this scripture, but let me give you two lessons from the world's greatest fish fry, and then give you some powerful and practical ways to apply that. I love this series that we've been doing because we've been teaching people to apply it every week, and you have responded greatly. Let me give you two lessons. Don't have time to hit them all deeply, but let me touch on them. Number one, this feeding of the 5,000 teaches me this. Little is much when you put it in the master's hands. Little is much. Just obediently bring what you have and put it in the hands of Jesus. Even if you don't think it's very much. Andrew brought, hey, here's a little boy, five loaves, two fish, some biscuits and fish. And I love this little boy. He had a prepared mom. This is a testimony not to the boy's willingness to give it up, but the mom to be prepared and pack his lunch. I had a mom like that growing up. Did y'all have a mom? Packed my lunch every day for school. Here's what she wrote on mine, Dave. Because that's what my mom called me. And every day she would put my lunch, not in the paper bag, but in my Batman lunchbox. And I'd have peanut butter and jelly every day. Thank God for peanut butter and jelly. I wouldn't be standing here today without peanut butter and jelly. I didn't like the crust, so my mama would cut the crust off for me. That's the kind of mom I had. But I was prepared. This little boy was prepared. This is a story about a mom or a dad that prepared that as much as anybody else. And even though this little lad was probably hungry too, <clears throat> in trust, in obedience, he gave up his little lunch so that everyone could have a happy meal, so that everybody could have a buffet. Never underestimate small things. Big doors swing on small hinges. Because of his small trust of gift of loaves and fish, everyone there moved from the land of hungry to the land of plenty. The land of not enough to the land of plenty enough. Let me just call a little time out here. I feel like JT. Maybe you're thinking today that you're not enough in life right now. My talent, you may say, is not enough. My looks are not enough. Boy, you know that's true for me. My looks are not enough. You may say, my money is not enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. But with Jesus, listen to me, you're not enough is more than enough. With Jesus, you are in the majority. With Jesus, you are moving from the land of scarcity to the land of plenty, from the land of hungry to the land of filth. 
Let me give you a little math lesson. I know school has started back for some in Indiana, getting ready to start back more for some here in just a few days in Ohio. Let me give you a little math equation from this story. Five loaves plus two fish plus Jesus equals plenty. Five loaves plus two fish plus Jesus equals plenty. See, God's cosmic math is different than your math. You can't figure out how God could take my small and make it plenty, how he can take my small offering and multiply it, how he can take my small talent and multiply it, how he can take my little bit of time invested in the kingdom and multiply it, how he can take small gifts of money and set people free, as Mark talked about. Have you factored Jesus into your formula, is my question for you, your equation? Are you thinking subtraction? or division, we got a lot of that right now, or do you want addition and multiplication? Do you have a scarcity mindset like Philip did? What would, how far could these five and two go with so many? That's scarcity mentality. Or do you have a plenty mentality like Jesus? Paul said it this way in Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us. Friend, you realize, right, that the best and greatest days of this church are still ahead of us? They're not in the past, they're in the future. Quit thinking with stinking thinking. Quit thinking like a grasshopper, think like an eagle. Quit thinking like Philip, think like Jesus. Man, we have opportunities that have never come our way before right now to be the church really as it is in Acts that we never had before. Whatever you're facing right now, use God's math, use Jesus' math. I don't know what you're starting with, but I know what you can finish with because Jesus is bigger than any problem, any dilemma you've got right now. You can be enough because he is enough. Because little is much when you put it in the master's hands. It was a little teenager named David with a little sling and a couple of little stones that slew that big giant. And when that stone hit Goliath's head, you know what Goliath said? It's not recorded in the scripture, but I know what he said when that stone from David's sling hit. Goliath said, nothing like that ever entered my mind before. That's what I I can't prove it. See, that's what happens when you go on summer study break. You get... Little as much, John, John, wasn't you sure about that? Little as much when you put it in the master's hands. Let me give you a second lesson here. And as I was thinking about it down in Carolina, this phrase kept coming back to me as I poured myself over this text. Jesus can bring blessing from what is broken. If, if there is a theme from this summer of love, it's this, Jesus can bring blessing from what is broken. It says that Jesus gave thanks, he blessed and broke the loaves. Notice that God both breaks and he blesses. He had to break before he blessed. Don't skip this. Some of you are in a season of blessing right now. Everything's up and to the right. Praise God. If you're in a season of plenty, if you're in a season of surplus, share your food, share your bounty. Yea, God. 
But some of you are not in a season of blessing. Right now you're in a season of breaking. Your heart is broke about something. God has to break your will about something. God has to break your way of thinking, your habits. You won't get to the season of blessing until you go through the season of breaking. Submit to it. God never uses anybody greatly till he breaks them deeply. Lean into that. It's the best thing coming your way, breaking and then blessing. And I'm here to tell you that God can use any situation, any person, even if they're cracked, as long as they're clean, as long as they're sold out, as long as they're committed to him. He specializes in bringing blessing from brokenness. That's the hallmark of this church. God, is, I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not who I used to be. Blessings come from brokenness. We're just a bunch of messed up people here. And if we ever forget that we're just sinners saved by grace, that'll be the end of this church. And John has brought us back to remind us again, this is how we start. Now, remember I said that Jesus came into this miracle with some news that broke his heart. Before he blessed people, he had to go through even himself through a season of a broken heart and a broken spirit. He's performing this on the heels of facing his own great grief. John the Baptist, his cousin, the one that he could count on to tell him he, he must be greater, I must be less, his friend, his encourager. Jesus said, of men born of women, nobody's greater than John the Baptist. Nobody, of, of people born of women, nobody's greater than John the Baptist. That, that's a pretty high accolade. John the Baptist is a special guy. But John the Baptist had an end. John the Baptist knew his season. John the Baptist was done. And even with that, even with John's passing, even with John being martyred, Jesus blessed people. Matthew says here he had compassion on them. I find this startling. Even in the midst of Jesus' grief and his loss and his brokenness, he still cared. He was never too busy to heal the broken. So if you're broken here this morning, if you're watching online, if you're in this room, and there's some stuff about me that's broken, I bet there's some stuff about you that's broken. Claim Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. <laughs> Jesus has a perfect solution to your pitiful situation. Now, I'll tell you, it's hard to bless others when you feel like you're the one who needs the blessing, but that's what we're called to do. It's hard to be compassionate all the time, not just for seven weeks, when life is crippling you, but that's what Jesus asked us to do. And friend, our world is broken in so many ways right now. One of the advantages of getting away is I've been, I, I, I kind of cut off the media and the news media for a while in my life. It's not a bad thing to go on a sabbatical from that. But I re-engaged on the stories of the news. And our world is so messed up. It's even worse because I kind of got out of the bubble of my ministry life. You don't have to be Simone Biles to have a breakdown, friend. 
This COVID Delta variant is calling, causing all of us yet again to deal with physical and emotional and mental challenges and breakdown. And let me just ask right up front before we head into whatever path we're going, I'd ask for your patience, your trust, your wisdom as our leaders have to figure out yet again how to navigate these unprecedented and choppy waters of COVID. I am sick of it. What's that got to do with it? People still need to be fed. People still need to be rescued. People still need hope and help in Jesus. People still need to be fed. And in the midst of our own hunger for healing, in our own season of hurting, like this little boy, we have an opportunity to offer our little so we can give much comfort to others. So may we bring Jesus our grief, our loss, our brokenness, our anxiety, our fears. May we bring him our short supplies, our inadequacies, our doubts, so that he can bring his blessing, so that he can breathe his blessing and favor over us, multiplying all that we think we can do so others can be fed. So the question I want to leave you with is this, how can you bless the broken right now? How can you bless the broken with the feeding of the 5,000 in your mind? Let me give you a couple of ways. Number one goes with the bag. Brown bag it this week. Just as this little boy brought his lunch to Jesus, we're asking you to do that with a brown lunch bag. As you leave today, you're going to get a bag like this, and it'll have stapled to it, I think we've got a picture on the screen, a shopping list. I'd ask you to look through that list was homeless bags, backpack club, and teacher care boxes. Bring that bag next week back. Maybe you take more than one bag. Maybe you need to get a big brown bag. Stock this full of that stuff and bring it back next week. Maybe, maybe, how about this? You skip lunch one or two days this week, or you brown bag it, and use the money that you would have spent on that lunch to buy these items. For those of you in our online community, you can go to whitewatercrossing.org life, and this is on the card as well. And you can actually choose the items that the Whitewater Life Center needs on their shopping list on Amazon and have it shipped directly here. There's a way for everyone here to participate. Let's bring our lunches, our loaves, our fish to Jesus and watch him multiply that because I predict there's going to be a whole other round of needy people when COVID Delta strikes again that we're going to have to be in a position to help. Number two thing you can do to bless the broken is to participate in our Solve 7 food pack. It's a tradition around here that we really jump in this one. It's next Saturday, August 14th from 9 to noon out at a Child's Heart International. There's some details on our website about that, but it's this coming Saturday Man, we need about 150 people to pack food to help children and feed them all over the world. And boy, I'm proud today <laughs> because I went by and I saw all of the shoe boxes piled up for our shoes for souls that are getting handed out today. Some of you are volunteers. We're going to cheer them on. Shoes still coming in. Thank you for that. I, I can't wait for you to see the joy on those kids' faces when they get some new shoes and their stomachs are full. 
There is one other way that you can heal your brokenness and bless the broken, and that's to bring your brokenness back next Sunday and be baptized if you need to. Be clothed with Christ by going all in and all under the water. There's a couple of pictures of some folks that have experienced this joy. I've been doing ministry a long time, and I've baptized hundreds, if not thousands of people here. And I can tell you this, I've never seen anybody go all in that regretted it later. Not a single one. So John's going to come back and kind of finish up our Summer of Love series by talking uh, about uh, finding that which is lost. And we're going to kind of just end that with an opportunity to go all in. Because Jesus, I don't know if you know this, right? Jesus here is not just talking about physical hunger and food in this text. He's talking about the kind of hunger that food won't fix. See, Jesus fed 5,000, but just a few days later, you know how many followed him? Only about 500. Because they were looking for what we would call a bread Messiah. People were more interested in what Jesus provided. That w- surely that wouldn't be one of you. We're more interested in what Jesus provides than Jesus himself. To use Abby and Connor Dole's line, we're more interested in the healing than the healer. They're more interested in the healer. These folks who really dine on Jesus, dine on the divine, are interested in their heart being fed spiritually. Let me read to you the end of John's chapter 6. After Jesus fed the 5,000, the crowd went searching for him again. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they said, Rabbi, when did you get here? (laughs) They asked him a question. When you're a leader, you don't have to answer every question. John Tisovich, here's a good leadership lesson. You don't have to answer every question everybody asks you. Isn't that good? Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered. Very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. He didn't even answer the question. He said, you're not following me anymore because of who I am. You're only following me because you got a good meal. Do not work for food that spoils, he said, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And he went on to tell them this, I am the true bread from heaven. I am the bread of God that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I am, Jesus says here, it's the first I am in the Bible. I am the bread in the New Testament. I am the bread of life, Jesus says. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You hear what Jesus is teaching here? The most important thing in life is for you to pursue Jesus to meet your needs. Not just physically, but spiritually. Because when you pursue Jesus, he takes care of your needs here and there. And he said, what is the work we're called to do? What's the greater miracle in this story? It's the miracle of faith in Jesus. Believe in the bread of life. The one who sent me. The bread of life of heaven. Now the people in their day, they would have thought Jesus was talking about Moses and the bread that came from heaven, the manna. 
Jesus was the manna that came from heaven. And if you don't know him, it's as simple as believing and trusting and repenting and confessing him. And next Sunday, going all in with him.